Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Terry, and I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, my children call me Terence, disrespectfully, but my friends call me Tell, so you can all call me Tell. Um, now, I don't know about you, but Christmas, for me, started on Friday night, because it was the staff office party, and I'd been dreading this all week, but as it turned out, I had a great night, went on the boom bus, Karaoke, doing 50 mile an hour down the coast road, standing up, dancing in a boom bus, is interesting. Um, anyway, for the world and for our society, that's what Christmas is really all about. It's just about parties, it's about having a good time, it's about drinking, it's about eating, probably overeating, and that's not wrong, that's all fine. Well, not overeating and not overdrinking. But it's good to have fun. It's good to have parties. And I find that Christmas comes round ever more quickly the older you get. Do you want to find that? I mean, I'm 35 now. and (laughs) So I'm a certain age, and every year that Christmas just comes round ever more quickly. Now, as a kid... As soon as the Christmas tree and the decorations went up, then the excitement would build. Getting me letter written to Santa, you know, me wish list, as it were. Get it sent off, and then waiting to see if I'd get all the presents that I hoped for. And often we don't get the presents that we hope for. Isn't that true? And I, I remember, you know, my dad would um, kind of take me to the, the British Legion Club which he was a member of. And every year, we'd get a little party bag. And it wasn't quite as posh as that. It was just a brown paper bag. But we really looked forward to going down to the the Comrades Club because we got this bag that Santa had brought with. And in the bag, there'd be an apple. How exciting was that? (laughs) And there'd be an orange. Even more exciting. And then after that, you'd get... Either nuts to crack or sweets. Fantastic. But the best thing was, you got one of them. Anybody recognize that? It's a 10 bob note. 10 shillings. We used to get 10 shillings in that bag. Now, in today's money, that's worth about 50 quid. Yeah? So I'm going back to the late 50s, early 60s. 10 bob in a note which is the equivalent of our 50 pences today. That'd be worth about 50 quid. So we got really excited by that. It was great. And when I was about um, eight or nine, I got my first proper big two-wheeler bike. Now, we lived in the 14-story flats then, and we are on the fourth floor. And it was that year, it was probably 1963, and there was heavy snow. So it was six inches It had been snowing for days before Christmas. But I got my bike, and I I was desperate to ride it. 
So we had a landing, obviously a landing outside the house. So I took my bike onto the landing and I rode along the landing. And my mother said, don't you dare take that bike downstairs because you'll damage it. You'll fall on the, on the snow. So I said, it's okay, ma'am. I'm just going to ride along the landing. So I rode along the landing a couple of times. And then she went back in the house. So I went straight into the lift with my bike down to the ground floor outside. And of course, the snow was sort of hard packed on the road where the cars had gone over it. So I took one turn of the pedals, and that was it. The bike just skidded off that way, and I was on my backside. And uh, I realized that what my mom said was probably very sensible. Took my bike back, but at least I wasn't damaged. And then, of course, you know, when you get married, um, things get a bit more complicated. So the, the challenge then was to get Margaret, my lovely wife, the things that she hoped for at Christmas. And I wasn't very good at kind of picking up on this sort of hints. And as a kid, it's fine because Santa gets all that stuff. Santa brings all your presents when you're kids. But when you're older, Santa stops bringing you presents. So you've got to sort it. So um, this one year, we'd only been married a couple of years. And she said, um, which had been hinting for a portable telly. Now, in them days, if you had one telly, you were posh. But to have a portable telly, like a second telly that you could carry into your bedroom and into the kitchen. Well, that was a bit special. And she evidently made some remarks about, see, wouldn't it be nice to have a portable telly? And I was just completely oblivious to all that. But when Christmas came, under the Christmas tree, she sees a box, right? And And it's all wrapped up nice, and it's under the tree, and she's dead excited. So we get up on Christmas morning, and she opens all the other little presents, and she's waiting for this one, the big one. And she's thinking, here's me Paul, I'll tell you. She rips the paper off, and it was a winemaking kit. <laughs> well, she was a bit disappointed, to say the least. Because in them days, she didn't drink wine. And she'd, made, uh, she'd made, given no hints about a winemaking kit, but I just thought it was something different, a bit unusual, and that she'd love it, and she could start making wine. She didn't see it that way. And then there's another time I said to her, look, Margaret, I'm sick of trying to guess what you want. So you're just going to have to come with us and show me what you want. So I went to Phoenix, and she pointed out all the different things that you wanted. And I thought, right, great, I'll get them. And uh, so I think it was uh, a hat, there were some gloves, there was some jewelry, and a few other things. And I, and I thought, right, I know where they are. So a couple of days later, I go back to Phoenix, well, hadn't Phoenix changed everything in the store? <laughs> They'd moved everything around. So I couldn't see. I couldn't, the, the things, the places I went, didn't seem to have the things that I, I was sure she said she wanted. So I thought, well, I'll just make the best of a bad job. So I bought her um, a lily put house stock, uh, an umbrella, and I, and I bought her this photo frame, plastic photo frame, with a 50-pound note in it. I went to the bank and I got a 50 pound, brand new 50 pound note. And I thought, what a wonderful present that is. So I'm saying to her before she comes, I said, you're going to love the stuff I've got you. You're going to love the presents. You're going to be really thrilled, you know. Well, the look of sheer disappointment that turned to madness and anger, you know, was, um, had to be seen to be believed. So I've not been very good at getting the right presents at Christmas. So. Margaret's better at getting me presents that I like. 
She's pretty good, always has been, very thoughtful, and I'm not. But it's often the case that we don't get what we hoped or we wished for, and we're left disappointed. And the key word in all this is hope. And what do you think of when you hear that word? What's your definition of hope? You see, hope is not, I hope Newcastle win the Premier League, although I do. Um, I hope I get a pay rise. It isn't wishing for the best. It isn't waiting to see what happens and hope that it turns out well. Hope is not a feeling or an emotion. This is the kind of hope we express when we say, I hope Santa Claus brings me that very expensive designer bag or that Lamborghini comes to the drive. But you see, for the Christian, hope is not a hope so, it's a no so. Hope is the knowledge of facts. If someone says to you, I hope you have a good day, there's no guarantee the day is going to turn out well. To have a Christian hope is to have a sure anchor for the soul. It's not hoping that it's going to rain and water the gardens because the forecast said there's a 60% chance of rain today. That's not hope. That's wishful thinking. And it's totally undependable. It has no power to bring anything to pass. Human hope pales in comparison to godly hope. For the Christian, the definition of hope is far superior to that of the world. You see, a believer knows that their hope is grounded on solid facts. The Christian has a hope that is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's a hope that is like faith, a faith that cannot be moved by circumstances or what the eye see, because an unseen God is seen in His faithfulness. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome a couple of thousand years ago, he gave us the best example of hope where he said, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Because if God is for us, then who can be against us? How do we know who God is and why our hope is so sure and secure? Christmas is the time when we celebrate the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, an actual, historical, and verifiable intervention of God into human history. In Him, some 350 prophecies were fulfilled. 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, the Israeli prophet Isaiah described Him, and he told why He would come, that He would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem from the line of the Jewish King David was just for starters. This is the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. But you see, the birth of Jesus was just the beginning. He was born for a purpose. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. In a few months' time, we're going to be celebrating Easter. And that's when Jesus Christ endured the excruciating death on a cross to take upon Himself the burden of our sins, our wrongdoing, the fact that we've just gone our own way. We're not interested in knowing God. 
We don't ask Him to participate in our lives. Well, one day we're going to stand before Him, and God's going to give us what we want. If we didn't want Him in this life, then we're not going to get Him in the next one. Jesus bore that excruciating death, but then three days later, He rose from the dead. And because of His resurrection, we who have put our trust in Him and believe have this sure hope of our rise from the dead and eternal life with Him. And the fact of the resurrection is beyond a reasonable doubt. But that's another story for another time. And I just want to give you a plug. Next year, once a month, we're going to be doing a series under the title, Hashtag Can You Believe It? And it's going to be a message once a month explaining why we believe what we believe, what the scientific evidence is for everything that we found our beliefs upon. There is no dispute between science and faith. And we're going to explore that and explain it during the course of next year. So you're more than welcome to be with us for all of that in 2019. So our hope, um, our world is in a mess. It's all very chaotic and uncertain. I think you'll agree. There's no real hope in mankind, circumstances, or any other thing in the universe. But we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Because Jesus Christ is our hope. And Paul, again in that letter to the Roman uh, believers, said that he could rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And he desired that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So, As you celebrate Christmas this year, and if Santa Claus doesn't bring you the gifts you desired, remember this. Jesus Christ was born, died, and rose again so that you could claim the ultimate Christmas gift, free of charge, a relationship, forgiveness, and abundant eternal life with Him. So over Christmas, just take a few moments to think on this and remember Jesus. He is the reason why we can face each day with real hope. Amen. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.